You are listening to the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show, all about real estate edition. Shining a light on the movers and shakers in the real estate industry. The home builders, developers, realtors, and suppliers making it all happen. Good morning and welcome back to Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio's All About Real Estate Edition. I'm your host, Carol Morgan, and I'd like to give a special shout out and thanks to our 2022 show sponsor, New American Funding. Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio is made possible thanks to them, and we owe them a big thanks. Today's guest I'm very excited about. He is our first guest in our new Legends of Real Estate series. In many ways, he needs no introduction at all. John Whelan has been building homes in Atlanta for 50 years. It actually might be 52 years this year. He's responsible for training much of the talent that works in the market today, and he has won probably more awards for customer satisfaction and professionalism than any other Atlanta builder. A warm welcome to John Whelan, CEO of the JW Collection. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Carol. It's great to be with you. Uh, makes for a wonderful time. Looking forward to it. Well, let's just dive in. What year did you start you know, building houses in Atlanta? And, and what did home building look like back in the day? Uh, I ha- hate to admit, but it was like 1971. And uh, it was such a different industry. I mean, just no comparison. No comparison. Well, and I think I read somewhere that you started building when you started your company, you were operating out of a Volkswagen Beetle. Uh, Well, I had a hammer and a credit card to get the hammer. And I had my Volkswagen and uh, it was a convertible. So that was very handy to get put the top down and I could carry building materials, and I even was able to carry full sheets of plywood. Oh, my but, gosh. <laughs> I, it took skill, and I put two-by-fours uh, in the back seat underneath the front seat and then laid the pan, the plywood on the two-by-fours. Not too many sheets at a time. Oh my goodness, that's a whole system that you had work out, you know, worked out of just loading your car to make that happen. Well, how many homes did you build that first year? And you know, what did they look like? Well, the first year we actually uh, went to closing and 12 homes. And I think we had six under construction at the end of the year. And that was the era of, of split four years. And so you would, you would come in the front door on the mid-level and come up seven steps to the kitchen and the family room and go down seven steps to a bonus room in the garage. And then if you were on the kitchen level, you would go up another seven steps and you would be on the bedroom level. Well, you know... Those were popular houses that I think they had, a you know, didn't they afford a lot of uh, square footage and very little wasted space? Yeah, well, it's a very efficient uh, home. I, I don't think it's built anymore. But mm-hmm. the amazing thing about it was that we sold those homes for right around $30,000. Oh gosh, that's crazy. Well, that included a lot and indoor plumbing. Wow. And now. 
you can't discuss anything for $30,000. No, I don't even think you can buy a new car for $30,000 anymore. No, I remember yeah, my first lot uh, I bought from Cousins Properties, and it was $5,000. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That's interesting. It, it's it's funny to see how much it's changed. Well, it's a big problem today, in my opinion, in housing is affordability. And how do people get on that first rung of the ladder? That is home equity is the primary source of wealth for most American families. And you got to get started. Yeah. And so we need small, affordable homes that aren't an hour and a half from where you were. And uh, that's something we're starting to focus on. Oh, well, I want to hear more about that. But first, I kind of have a burning question is, you know, what inspired you to start building homes or who inspired you to start building homes? Well, uh, unemployment. Uh, I was in the building materials business with my business school roommate, and we thought we were going to be Home Depot, but it didn't work out. And after it didn't work out, it turned out that uh, in our partnership, my partner was a 75% partner and I was a 25% partner. So uh, he stayed with the business and I needed to do something else. And being young with two children and unemployed is a bad thing. So uh, I looked for an alternative and made a list. And one of the lists was since I was in building materials, maybe I could build a house. So I started on that project and it led to uh, 30,000 homes over 50 years. A lot of houses, especially, you know, starting with just 12 and then, you know, building up to where you are, 30,000 homes is pretty impressive. And and obviously you've seen a lot of changes. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you're very welcome. You know, so from 12 homes to 30,000 homes, you've seen some massive changes in the industry. You know, talk a little bit about the changes you've seen over the years. Well, you go back to 1971. And uh, I was a college graduate and actually a business school graduate. And I would go to a home builders meeting and I was the exception because most people in the home building business at that point in time had come up through the do-it-yourself program and had learned on the job how to build and then had been able to get a loan or go out on their own. And it was a very small entrepreneurial kind of thing. And now we have corporations building 60,000 homes a year. And I think I would make the argument that there's something special about a small builder who can listen directly to the customer and uh, make special adjustments to make that house special for the individual buyer. And uh, that we've lost something as uh, home building has grown and become uh, commercialized 
and now we have uh, large public corporations doing it. Of course, that's a selfish position on my part. Well, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that would agree with you on that point. So, you know, I think back and, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time. And I remember your 101 home sales promotion in 2009 during the downturn. You traveled all over the country in your RV and you lived in model homes and you said you were going to do that until you sold 101 of them. It was very clever and caught a lot of the people's attention. But, you know, again, you think of this 50-year time span from when you built your first home in 1971 to today, 2022, and just all the changes in marketing. I mean, you know, when you started out, there was no internet. You know, talk, Just talk a little bit about the difference in how we market homes and, and you know, your your feelings on that from you know, over 50 years? Well, um, I would say one thing that is pretty fundamental today that was very new 50 years ago, and then we kept Pioneer in Atlanta, is model homes and design centers. So that people could come in and pick out the pieces they wanted for their dream home. And we're proud of uh, our early work in that. And I appreciate your mentioning our awards. We've got a, a lot of glass stacked around here. And it's been just so much fun over so many years to, you know, be a builder and to meet people's needs. But uh, if I could, I'd like to say a few words about my 101 uh, tour. Absolutely. Well, you're nice to mention it since you're the pro in marketing, and I'm glad it caught your attention. And uh, fundamentally, the business went to pretty near zero, as you'll know, in the Great Recession. Atlanta peaked out in, uh, I think it was 06, at 60,000 building permits, and then hit the bottom in 09 at 6,000 building permits. So uh, you can prepare for a 10% or 20% shrinkage in your business, but when your business shrinks 90%, you can't prepare for that. So uh, we were having a brainstorming session on what we could do to draw attention to the fact that we had great homes finished, available, ready to move in, and came up with some fairly wild ideas. One was to build a stand on Peachtree Street, uh, you know, about 20 feet in the air, and I was going to live on this stand until we sold 101 homes. And uh, it was pointed out to me that that would probably be a very unhappy thing. And so what else could we do? And we had a Winnebago that we used for sales promotions. And we called it the Webago. And I thought, well... Maybe I could visit my five cities in which I built, of course, Atlanta, and then Charlotte, Raleigh, Nashville, and Charleston, and work to promote my neighborhood in each of those cities until we sold 100 homes. And then 
some smart marketing person that was sitting in said, you don't want to do that. You want to do it until you sell 101. And 100 is, that's an even number. That's not very catchy. People aren't going to remember that. But if you go to 101, and then we uh, started building out the concept, and the concept was that I would take a mattress from home, which I did, and we had on Winnebago, uh, you know, it comes with a refrigerator and a microwave and, and those kinds of things. So I stocked up on Stouffer's ready-to-eat dinners. And uh, we had a really great individual who ran uh, Caterpillar Tractor for us who volunteered to go on tour with me. So we would pull into one of our cities and one of our builders or staff members, company members would pick up Bobby and take him to a motel. And then I would drag my mattress into an unsold (laughs) home. And then I had two suitcases. And one of them had uh, sheets and a pillow and a light blanket. And then then the other had a change of clothes and a toothbrush and a a book or something like that, probably. And I'd start making, uh, I'd I'd make myself at home. Usually I'd pick the uh, owner's bedroom. I need the bathroom close by. I want to have a little space to spread out. And it got to be just a ton of fun. Uh, we would always have an event. Uh, my first night in the city for all of our company members, a cookout and uh, sort of a, a pep rally. And we uh, worked through our marketing representatives to get some press coverage and morning talk shows and those kinds of things. And the company members in the individual city would provide essentials uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the house, like coffee for the morning yeah, and, or, or reveille in the morning. And one night I, after an evening meeting uh, with all my people, I went back to the house. I was sleeping in my, and I had put my mattress on the floor and I was getting ready to make my bed uh, out of my suitcase. And I saw that my bed was already made. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't know whether to be happy or scared or what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, at the office, uh, this is Charles, and the next day I, I said, who made my bed? And this uh, staff member said, well, I got to admit, I did. You know, I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw that mattress, and I knew what was in the suitcase, and I said, well, I, I appreciate that very much. But we had little replicas of our, our we Vega. And so every time I sold a home, well, they're about, I don't know, nine inches long, something like that. And we had wrapped the we Vega in promotional, mm-hmm. you know, the, the stickies like the murder buses. 
So every time I sold a home, I would write the number on the home and then I would write a note to the buyer. So it would be like number 5060. To Todd and Eloise, thank you for being number 56. Yeah. And then I and then I'd sign my name and then we would present it to them. So but it took uh about 60 days. I, I took Easter off. Uh, but other than that, it was on the floor and I had a great time. That's amazing promotion. And, you know, so many aspects of great marketing in that, you know, the event and the, you know, the RV and tying the Webago into the little leave behind gift, you know, for your new homeowners and then, you know, rallying the troops and having that camaraderie in each city. And, you know, those are all things that, you know, worked then and work now too. I appreciate that. I got, I got two more vignettes I got to share. So, okay. And so one is, I mean, we parked the Wee Vega, uh, but before we started the tour, I went to a little moped shop in Buckhead and bought myself a moped. Uh-huh. <laughs> because so that I could tour in the neighborhood and I couldn't do it in the big RV. So I would ride around the neighborhood. This is springtime. And sometimes we would have events for the neighborhood and uh, or weekend promotions. And the other was that I did a very nice interview with an editor for Builder Magazine and suggested that, you know, maybe the NHB could get the CEOs of the top 100 builders in the country. And we were in that category at that time. And have a one-night sleep-in and get some national promotions for it. And she said, it will never happen. <laughs> and so I, I gave up that promotional idea. Well, but that, then my final one, though, is a woman in Chicago had a syndicated column picked it up. And the headline in her column said, Builders Sleeps Around to Sell Homes. <laughs> and I went to high school in Chicago, and a Chicago buddy uh, tore out the article, sent it to me, and asked me if my wife knew. Oh, that is hilarious. We'll talk about fun marketing, though. You know, you made it fun and the editors had a good time with it and and you achieved your goal. And that's what it's all about. Well, you know, you've lived through several of these downturns and, you know, sold your way out of them. Obviously, you know, there's probably a lot of builders that wish they had those 101 homes today to sell because they would sell like hotcakes. But, you know, talk a little bit about today's crazy pandemic and you know, and, and where you think it's going. And, you know, we all panicked in March of 2020 when it all started. And because we were all thinking it was going to be a replica of, you know, 2007, 8, 9. And thank goodness it wasn't. But, you know, talk a little bit about the differences between that downturn and what we're experiencing now. Well, I, I, Carol, I think that, that what I didn't realize, the industry didn't realize is that in the Great Recession, we just lost so much of our capacity to build. 
And my bank said, I didn't need to build any more homes for at least a little while. And even the big builders were consolidating and being very cautious. Mm-hmm. And we lost skilled trade people. We lost a whole tier of junior management in, in home builders, uh, home building companies. And so then when building came back, uh, we really weren't prepared for it. We didn't have the resources. Right. And that, that has caused, of course, an inflationary cycle in the cost of housing. Right. And I think that, you know, one of the things, uh, as you said, it, when the pandemic started, uh, we all pulled in our horns and I'm not going to sell my home because I don't know who's going to be walking through my home. And I don't want that. And I'm not going to go look for a home because, you know, I don't know not, you know, who's been in that home before me and everything slowed down. And then when people started feeling better, uh, there was a shortage of houses in huge proportions and people started bidding homes up. And so much conversation about supply channels and and so much volatility and lumber markets and floods in British Columbia and fires in California. But I, I think that's going to even out. And mm-hmm. I think we're starting to see it today. And, and people ask me, you know, are prices going down uh, when things even out? You're shaking your head. <laughs> I think we'd love to see prices go down, but I don't know that that's realistic. No, I don't, I don't think it is. So I think we think, need to think of more innovative ways to get people into housing. Correct. Uh, so they can get in that first rung of the ladder. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Are you ready to own a home, but don't know where to start? Speak to a local expert at New American Funding. Get pre-qualified and start looking for your dream home. They make home buying easy and convenient with a variety of home loan options. New American Funding is devoted to helping families finance their home because they want everyone to achieve the American dream, home ownership. New American Funding's technology is what sets them apart Whether connecting with your home loan professional in person, online, or through the app, they are there to answer any questions. Call today to get pre-qualified. For more information, call 678-898-3540. That's 678-898-3540. Part of your legacy is really your your successful training program. You know, I look around Atlanta and, you know, on any typical day, you can find, you know, 10 division presidents that got their start with you. You know, what set your program apart and how did it prepare these key industry players for the jobs that they hold today? Really proud of the group of people who worked for me over the years and the group that make up the JW collection today. 
I, I think our fundamental key to success is began in our, our selection process. Hmm. I've always believed in testing mm-hmm. and interviewing and waiting to find the exceptional people. And if you start with exceptional people who love housing, and I think that's a requisite. I think housing is one of those great things, and I know you feel the same way, where you develop an emotional, almost spiritual attachment to, this is so great. And we're helping people with one of the fundamental needs in their lives, you know, a great place to live. And when we had talented people and then we had, you know, formalized training and uh, we actually had a program called ACT, A-C-T, Accelerated Corporate Training. So anybody that joined the company, no matter what they did, had to go through ACT, and we brought people in from the Southeast, and it was a launching pad to a, a more uh, detailed training program. But it was something we believed in, say that with great people, and they're out there being great today. Absolutely, they are. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, to me, that's part of your legacy. It's a, it's a living legacy of all these people that you have trained. Well, for listeners who are thinking about getting into the home building industry, getting started with a career in the industry, what advice do you have for them? I've always said that the best way to be successful in home building is to identify a portion of the industry that resonates with your own personal sensibilities and values. And as the people who worked for me and have worked for me in the past will share, uh, I'm into the details, you know, probably too much into the details. So I like to build homes that are complicated. And when we do a plan for the first time, I always walk it. I've got one coming up in two weeks, and we try to make it just right. And we try to make sure that we have the exterior touches and the colors. And, you know, where other people may be more volume-oriented and love the efficiency of the business. And I have uh, one friend, I think he knows where every nail went. and. Uh, you can't ever fool them about, uh, you know, how much the home costs. Uh, and he knows every detail. But I think if you're really going to be a success at home building, and I think it relates to all aspects of the supply, the marketing, especially the realtors. It has to resonate with you. Mm-hmm. If, if you're not having fun, uh, then you're in the wrong profession. I would agree with you. And so would Dr. Seuss. One of my favorite quotes <laughs> is, it's fun to have fun, but you have to know how. It's from the cat in the hat. <laughs> and, you know, and I say it all the time. You know, we we all 
most of what we do in life is, is work. You know, we do it five days a week. We do it for at least eight hours a day. You know, to me, it's more of, and probably for you as well, more of an immersive experience. It's part of who I am. You know, I might work part of Saturday and part of Sunday, but take Friday off, you know, but get to take care of my clients and get it all done. And it's important to do something that you love and have fun doing it. Well, this is probably a loaded question. Maybe you have more than one answer to this, but what's what has been the most rewarding part of your career? Now, that's a great question. I think the most rewarding part of my career is just working with people. And uh, not just the people that receive a paycheck, but uh, the trade contractors, uh, suppliers. Uh, we actually have in our conference room, we have plaques for trade contractors and suppliers who have worked for us for 40 or more years, wow. 30 or more years, 20 or more years. You got to work at least 10 for us to get a plaque. And less than 10 doesn't count. But it, it, because you see such wonderful people at all levels of the industry and the process of creation. And there's so many things that you can do in life. Uh, I worked for Procter & Gamble in uh, the soap division uh, uh, after uh, business school. And sold a lot of Tide, but it wasn't very personally rewarding. But something that gives me great pleasure is driving back in a neighborhood that I finished 20 years ago. And people are caring for their homes, they're caring for their lawns. And, and sometimes I get these wonderful reactions from my homeowners. I attended an annual uh, homeowner meeting in one of my neighborhoods just this past Tuesday. And uh, somebody came up to me at the end of the meeting and he said, I wonder if you do me a favor. And, and I was you know, ready for like, how about a free screen porch, you know? And <laughs> he, he, he said, at your convenience, would you stop by and sign my kitchen cabinets? Nice. I, I assume he means on the inside, not the outside. And I said, actually, I've done that a few times. And I said, sure. And so he gave me his address and I got that on my list. And, I, and that, you know, that's really cool. But it, it's those personal interactions and it's those special times. That's really cool, though. So, you know, you say people, but it's, yeah. it's that relationship. You know, the relationship with people, clearly that's important to you with your 20-year plaques and 10-year plaques and 40-year plaques in your boardroom. Yeah. That's really cool. Talk a little bit about what you're doing now with the JW Collection. And I know early in our interview, you were, you mentioned, you know, making homes more affordable. So talk about, you know, what you're doing with JW Collection and then, you know, any insights to what we can do as an industry to make this more affordable. <laughs> That is, that is such a tough question. And, uh, you know, candidly, uh, I, I've almost been more uh, about unaffordability. We work the high end of the market. The analogy I use, it may not be a perfect one, is they ask Jesse James why he robbed banks. 
And he said, it's because that's where the money is. And so bigger homes, uh, there's more opportunity. But we're very engaged in density now because you have to start with the land. Mm-hmm. And the land has become you know, crazy unaffordable. And But the good news is, I think, is lifestyles have changed. So that we're not so much about mowing our own yard, and we don't need that half acre or that acre. And, I mean, we uh, sold a townhome last year for... A million three hundred thousand. And I had a good view of Atlanta, I must admit. But you know, very tight people have learned learned to live vertically. Uh we think of a big lot now as fifty feet wide. <laughs> uh, yeah. We we know we know how to work on thirty-five feet wide and uh, uh we have a town of floor plan that, that is extremely livable at eighteen feet wide. And what I'm working on now is actually stacking uh, two homes over each other on the same plot of land Mm -hmm. so that they would each have a one-car garage and then one family would own the bonus room in front of the garage and the second floor and the other family would have to walk two flights of stairs and they would own the third floor. But then you would have the efficiency of using one plot of land for two homes and you'd have uh, a home that might be 1,600, a home that might be 1,200 square feet, but they'd each have a a one-car garage. And I think it'd be, especially with the number of singles in the market, and mm-hmm. young ones, old ones, that it could be a great way to get people on the housing ladder with great space. And the important thing is to have amenities in the neighborhood so that you, you can walk, you a place to throw the football, and you can bike in the city with parks. Um, so we'll see. Well, it's innovative and it's clear that, you know, we all must innovate in this industry with land prices going up and development prices going up. And, you know, there's a scarcity of, of, of human resources as well as, you know, building materials skyrocketing. You know, anything you can do to innovate to, you know, put two homes or three homes on that one piece of land is certainly going to help with affordability. So kudos to you on that. You know, we hear a lot in the industry now about diversity. What do you think we can do as an industry to attract more diverse talent? Well, I think that I'll give you one example from the JW collection. We have an outstanding individual who started as a trade contractor, is very bilingual and talented, and and moved over and joined us in a learning position, actually simultaneously went to Georgia State and is now a project manager. And because he is bilingual and multicultural, 
and he's been a great uh, resource to reach out to not only build our trade base, but also to build our company member base. So, mm-hmm. but I think that the answer really to your question is it has to be intentional. Correct. It's just uh, the diversity that we need and that is going to make all of us better people and have a more equal, fairer society is just not going to happen unless we make it happen. Yeah. It's like so many things. Um, I always like to say that a goal without a plan is just a wish. And I think that, you know, so much (laughs) of life, I I like that. I thought you'd like that that one. You know, so much of life boils down to that though. Right. You know, you know, you, you've had a plan, you've had a plan for training and, you know, I've heard you say, even though you haven't said it, education, you know, you trained your employees, you educated your employees, you had this opportunity to take a bilingual contractor and turn, you know, him or her into an employee and again, educate, you know, him while he was in school as well. And that's a key part of it too. But uh, us providing the opportunities is is really what opens the door to begin with. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, any final thoughts? We've covered a lot of content today, and I'm going to, you know, our last question will be how, how can people get more information on, on you and the JW collection? But before we get to that, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I think I'd like to emphasize how important ownership is. And just getting on that first run it doesn't need to be new. It doesn't need to be beautiful. It doesn't need to be big. And uh, there's a big emphasis now on single-family rental. And, you know, I think it's great for the industry, but I'm not sure that it's great socially. From the standpoint is if you're always renting, you're never going to have equity. And the 401ks today really don't provide enough for all of us to retire the way we want to retire. So uh, I think NHB has always said, I've always believed, I know you believe that housing is the bedrock of America and that we need to keep housing strong. And most of all, we need to keep ownership strong. Well, housing is the great American dream and the foundation of so much of our country and the foundation for wealth. And I think you just summarized that. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and being our first of our series of legends of real estate here in Atlanta. I'd love for you to give our listeners information on how they can find out more about you or how they can find out more about the JW Collection. What's the best way for them to find that information online. Well, Carol, you're nice for that opportunity. We are JWC Atlanta. Uh, All you have to do is, you know, go to Google and say JW Collection Atlanta, and you will get right to our website once you get past the paid ads. One thing that I would leave as, as a thought, I've always said, that uh, we may not be the right builder for lots of people. Uh, But the one thing that will never 
be true is you'll never be able to drive into one of our neighborhoods and then drive into somebody else's neighborhood nearby and see the same thing. And that our neighborhoods are all unique and all special. And uh, we work with a, a real desire to create a sense of place uh, not just build a house and go on to the next house. And uh, had somebody tell me decades ago that you ought to be able to drive home and look at your house and just feel glad about being home. And we hope that's true for all of our homeowners. I love that. You know, John, I just want to thank you on behalf of the industry also for your innovation and your leadership and your legacy of 50 plus years. You know, the Atlanta home building market would not be where it is today if it weren't for you and your vision. So thank you for that. It might be in better shape. (laughs) I don't think so. You're very generous. Thank you. Thank you for what you do in so many ways for the industry beyond dental marketing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And with that, we're going to say that wraps this week's Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio's All About Real Estate Edition. I'd like to thank John Whelan for joining me in studio today. And on behalf of our show sponsor, New American Funding, I'm your host, Carol Morgan. If you enjoyed today's show, then please follow Atlanta Real Estate Forum on Facebook. If you are looking for more Metro Atlanta housing news about home builders or developers, then sign up for our newsletter at atlantarealestateforum.com. You are welcome to continue the conversation with us by downloading and subscribing for free to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. And many of our episodes are also available on YouTube. On YouTube, you can click that little notification bell up in the corner so that you never miss an episode. If you're interested in participating on the show, you can contact me, Carol, at denimmarketing.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll look forward to seeing you here again for our next episode. Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio is sponsored by New American Funding and made possible by Denim Marketing, the publisher of Atlanta Real Estate Forum, Atlanta's favorite source for real estate and home building news. Denim Marketing is a comfortable fit, like your favorite pair of jeans. Denim Marketing tailors marketing strategies to meet your specific needs and niche. Try them on for size. They will work to create a perfect fit for your company's marketing program. Call them at 770-383-3360 or send an email to info at denimmarketing.com. For more information on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio or to inquire about being a guest, contact info at atlantarealestateforum.com. Check out the radio show by visiting atlantarealestateforum.com or by listening to the show on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, we'd sure appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio.